Welcome to On the Porch, the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Georgia Ella Line is one of our most beloved writers. She has published in every genre of writing I can think of, but she is perhaps best known as a poet and a children's book author. She was born in Harlan County, but has lived in Lexington for many years. In 2015 and 2016, she served as the Poet Laureate of Kentucky and did a tremendous amount of work in that role. She's published dozens of books, and her poem, Where I'm From, has become a poetry prompt that has been used all over the world. Thanks so much for joining us here on the porch, Georgella. I'm so glad to be here. Well, you are a writer that so many of us look up to. Ever since I've known you, you have certainly been someone that I've looked to as an example of being a writer who really does the work and as someone who stands up for what she believes in. So I'm very thankful to you for that. Among other things, you've been a real inspiration to me, and I know to many people listening, uh, they'd say the same. With that said, I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about how you're keeping calm and positive through these unprecedented times. Well, right now I'm holding a rock <laughs> mm-hmm. that, says, that says trust. Mm. Um, I, I am holding on through the spring, through this beautiful spring. Um, it's been such a gift mm. to be able to go outside and dig in the earth and see the trees and walk in the neighborhood and just feel the, the life renewing itself, the earth going on and, uh, the hope that spring always brings us and waving to neighbors, though we can't, you know, we can't stop and talk, but um, that has kept me grounded. Um, And of course, reading and writing. And then I have two uh, writers groups, uh, one of whom meets by zoom. Mm. um, And, you know, we go on working and the other one just, does some FaceTime to check in with each other. And I'm lucky that I'm sheltering in place with with people I love and get along with, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, so that's, I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, knowing, knowing that um, people have gone on through all manner of unknowns and pressures and, so this is our turn. Right. Yeah, I think one thing that I've thought so much about is uh, people who are not sheltering in place with, or they are sheltering in place with, with people that they don't want to be stuck with and how, you know, or even people that it's dangerous to be stuck with. I have That's right. worried so much about that. And... And, you know, and often I'll say to people ask, how are you doing? And I'll, I feel a little guilty because I, I, f- I feel like everything is, is going very well for me inside my own home. But then I turn on the news or I think about somebody who's losing their business or their job. or So it's just like yeah. this constant thing that's always there, isn't it? It is. And, and we lost a good friend in Louisville to the mm-hmm. virus. Yes. So that brought it out of any kind of 
out there, exactly. you know, yeah. uh, to, to knowing um, the devastation of that family and, and the grief that we feel. It, it is also, it's a paradoxical situation that we feel guilty for feeling safe, but we're also really afraid. Mm-hmm. And we feel like time has stopped, but we also know it's racing by and we don't know where it's going. Uh, it's, it's a very confusing on all the levels of, um, of the psyche and the, and the body, I think. Yeah, the uncertainty is is one of the things I think a lot about. Well, yeah, because we you know, we use the phrase the foreseeable future, but <laughs> right. where did that go? <laughs> yes, yes. Well what's been the biggest change for you during the pandemic? Are you able to uh to see everybody in your family the way you you used to, or are there some people you're not able to or? No, we can't. I mean we uh our son Joey and daughter-in-law Whitney and our granddaughter Mina, who are in Cincinnati, mm. we can only see through, you know, through FaceTime yes. um, or Google Hangouts, and we haven't seen them since February. Mm. And Mina has grown by leaps and bounds, and says, "Where is my umbrella?" <laughs> All <laughs> kinds of things, you know, that she didn't. She's just we're just missing. Yes. Uh, being present. And uh, it's wonderful that we have this way of connecting, but you just want to hug them. Yeah. Right. So would you say that's probably been the hardest part for you is just not being able to touch your grandchild? And... Yeah. Yeah. Not being able to be We're we're in check, you know, mm-hmm. we have to check ourselves. Um we can't go forward if we do somebody see somebody. We can't go forward and embrace them, or so it's that sense of of holding, holding back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, not being able to uh, to be with her is is, is hard on the mama. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, well, like I said, I am absolutely conscious of all the trouble and hurt in the world, but I have also been aware of real positives to the pandemic. Uh, you mentioned walking in the neighborhood and, you know, I, I live in a, a neighborhood, where, uh, you know, with, uh, it's a great place to walk anyway, but particularly since the, the pandemic started, more people are outside, they're walking, they're dancing outside, they're people playing cellos on the front porch, you know, and it, it oh, just wow. seems like people are, can only take so much of being on screens and they have to get outside. So I think people are getting outside more. I also think about the waters clearing in the canals of Venice. Oh yeah, yep. you know, and the the drop in air pollution. In air pollution, yeah. uh, it's it, it's huge. Right, uh, and we see how quickly the Earth recovers mm-hmm. or right. starts to recover from from how we live. Yes. And so I think if we can um, take from this some turnarounds in the way we live, it will be, it will be a huge, it could be a huge gift, but there are all the people who have no, they have no economic base mm-hmm. and they don't know what's going to happen. And that's another, another privilege I have that for the time being, I'm not, I mean, I can, I can, I could go 
wander into next year and be panicked, but right. <laughs> there's enough, there's enough here. So I'm not going to do that. Yes. Uh, yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm privileged. But at the same time as a, as a full-time writer, it's always, it's always sort of a juggling act to some degree, isn't it? And you, you are one of the handful of writers I know who has made a living for years and years as a full-time writer. And, that is quite a feat. Um, and so, I mean, a lot of your income, I imagine, is, is you know, doing events, going to oh, schools, yeah. things like oh, that. Yeah, yeah I, and all of that, of course, is, is canceled unless they can try to do it virtually. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in, I usually do a bunch of teacher institutes in the summertime, and they're trying to see you know, if they can do that. Um, So, um, but yeah, and, and of course, Steve, my husband's a musician. So all that, all that shut down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I, I know that you wrote this poem, the meadow doesn't know about the stock market years ago. I think it was about 11 years ago. Is that right? It was in, uh, 2008 so it'll be 12 years Uh in the fall but i've seen it pop up on social media a few times during all this i think that there's something in that poem that really is speaking to people during the quarantine and um you know as we're thinking about all the things we've just been talking about and also it's just a poem of your another poem of yours that's become a balm for people so i wondered if you would read that to us before we talk about it Oh, I'd be happy to. The meadow does not know about the stock market. Today she is worth exactly what she was worth yesterday, a year ago, at creation. I don't mean property value, taxable assets. I mean milkweed and copper moths, honeybees, cow vets, king snakes. Meadow life is not money. What rises and falls here are stems and flowers, leaves and fruit. No zigzag line of profit and panic, but the great wheel turning. Here God gives of her extravagance, and here, like flicker, viceroy, dragonfly, we come into our inheritance. Mm, thank you. How, how did that poem come into being? Well, I was at the Mary Anderson Center um, back when it was a, a retreat for writers and artists uh, just over the river in Indiana from Louisville. And, uh, and it was when the crash of 2008 was happening. And... Uh, all the housing bubble and the bad loans and all those things were being revealed. But because I was there and I had the woods to wander and these meadows full of fall flowers, you know, joe pie and ironweed and just late, uh, late asters and just so beautiful. And, uh, I would leave my desk and go out to walk and I would leave feeling all clenched up and I would 
by the time I was halfway through that meadow, I just gave it up, you know, because it was hmm. it was so wonderful. It was so uh, alive and flourishing and delicious. Mm. And and so it occurred to me that the, the meadow does not know about the stock market. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. uh, you know, and so then, uh, and also I was in that, that situation where there was nothing, there was no um, impediment to just writing something down immediately, you know, which is a great thing that uh, then you can just follow it. So, right. um, so by the time I got back to my desk, I had, um, I was ready to, to go with it. Mm. But, the, but I really have kept, that meadow uh, in my heart all these years, and it's a place I go when I'm mm. stressed. You know, I go back there in my uh, in my spirit, and uh, so I put it on Facebook because I thought, you know, I just wanted to offer it if it might be helpful to somebody else. And I was, and after I did it, I thought, oh, that was really dumb. <laughs> But but I was astonished that people took hold of it and it it meant something which is always it's always so great to know that there's something useful you put out in the world. Right. And a piece of music has been written that was inspired by the poem, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This this composer, Elizabeth Alexander, um has done a number of my poems, some as choral um, arrangements and some as uh, a solo. And, of course, that was with piano and cello. I I thought it was just gorgeous. I love that. I love the act of uh, ex-phrases when one piece of art inspires, a, leads to another piece of art. You know, it's, that's really wonderful. Well, a lot of people have been telling me that they've been struggling to focus through the pandemic, especially some writers. But I know that you journal every day. Is that is that right? Pretty much, um, pretty much. And um, I think, like like everybody, I feel. I mean, like everybody who writes, I feel like, oh, I suddenly have all this time. Why am I? <laughs> You know, I, shouldn't I be more productive than mm-hmm. I'm being? Um, but I, but I'm very consoled by the being able to turn to to writing and to and to reading. Yes. Um, but yeah, and I go back to journals, older journals, and find things that I wrote and never typed up because I didn't I didn't get them at the time. Mm. You know how sometimes you write something and it's sort of ahead of you mm-hmm. and you don't recognize it. So that I've, on days when I haven't been able to uh, find a new thread, I've gone back and uh, and found some some things. I found this just this morning. I found the poem. I, I revised it, but it was from 1984. Wow! Uh, it was something. An exchange with my four-year-old. So, um, you want to hear it? Sure. Called about that job. 
four years old and hearing me talk at the dinner table about the lack of jobs for a poet. Four years old and asking why we have to have money each day. I point to the food. Four years old and trying to solve this old dilemma. I know what to do, he says. Make us a poem pie and we'll eat that. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And, you know, I would have lost that if I hadn't. Yeah. hadn't written it down. Um, is there a particular poem that you turn to in times of upset? It's a poem that calms you? Oh, um, yes. One of the poems is uh, Philip Booth's poem, First Lesson, about uh, a daughter whose father's teaching her to swim. Mm. And it ends, uh, he's telling her that that she's that she's safe and she can trust the water and it ends I lie gently and wide to the light your stars lie back and the sea will hold you mm. I'll have to look and, at the whole poem yeah it's um, it's it's powerful um, and I went back and reread um, Ellen Bryant Boat's book Curie poems about the the flu Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1918, and at first I thought, I can't, you know, I wanted to look at it, but then I thought, I don't want to read this because, you know, we've got enough, we've got enough trouble. But I found it too compelling to um, to put down uh, to see what what she made of it. And I don't know if you've read that, but it Mm-mm. it's a sequence of poems that follow. A soldier and a teacher, and they're they're engaged, and there are letters between them, and as as well as all these other poems that are going on about what's happening in the in the world and in their the community that he's from. But mm. and they're all sonnets. What's the title again? Kyrie. And who's it by? Ellen Bryant Boat. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I love I love her work. Well, I know, it helps. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I I know you have a new book coming out, so I was wondering if you'd tell us about that. When does it come out? It comes out in um, October the thirteenth, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's um, it's called Voices of Justice, uh, poems about people working for a better world, mm-hmm. and it's for. Uh, Sort of middle school age, uh, upper elementary, middle school age. I think it's really for anybody who likes poems, but you know they have to know where to put it in the library. Is it about contemporary people, or does it cover a, a you know covers, a span of time? It covers a span of time. I think the 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 farthest uh, back would be Jane Addams, mm. and the most contemporary uh, Greta Thunberg and an environmental activist named Shusakot Martinez mm-hmm. who gave his first speech about uh, about climate justice when he was six years old. Wow. Um, so it, and then the very last poem is addressed to the reader as as a the next 
next wave of activists, you know. Right. Um, so, and it's illustrated by Jennifer Martin, and I mean Jennifer Potter, and uh, she did such an incredible job. And uh, and even though it was supposed to be illustration on the left, poem on the right, and my poems wouldn't stay where they were supposed to. <laughs> they, you know, like one of them each stanza is on a separate picket sign. Uh-huh. So she was flexible and and she just opened up she she opened up the possibilities by uh, and so now the illustrations and the uh, and the poems are really integral to one another mm. you're listening to wuky 91.3 fm we are talking to george ella line well we've talked about reading and writing and walking um all of those things have, are carrying me through. I think animals are really helping a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dogs and cats and horses or whatever your animal of choice is. But um, the other thing that is always a balm for me, but particularly in hard times, is music. And I know you're a musician and a great music lover. So I just wondered if you could narrow down a couple of your favorite songs to tell us about. Oh, my goodness. I know it's a hard question. Well, uh, just this morning I was singing um, Caroline Herring's When I Lay My Burden Down. Mm. Yes. Uh, And the line about uh, when I lay my burden down could be tomorrow God has not told me. Um, You know, there we are. Uh, and yet it, but it has that great, um, that great presence of, but for now, mm-hmm. I will, you know, I will love with all the faith that is within me. I don't think faith is the right word, but so it chooses to, um, to love in all the capacities that a person has to love and so for me, that's very, it's a celebratory song. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really with me. But a lot of John Prine, you know, mm-hmm. because yes. because he died in, in this time. And so when I, once I, when I found out he was sick, I began just listening me too. Uh, so much to him. And then that got me listening to Iris Dement. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's been... That's been really rich. Well, Georgella, again, I can't thank you enough for all you do for the arts, for the environment, for social justice, for the Commonwealth. Um, it's an honor to call you a friend. So thank you for joining us today. Well, same to you, Silas. Thanks for listening to the podcast of On the Porch. I'm your host, Silas House. This episode was engineered and produced by DeBron Thomas at the studios of WUKY 91.3 FM in Lexington, Kentucky. We are listener-supported radio, and we thank you for joining us.